Hey there, welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do, that we do. And this is the official beginning of Spoopy Month. Yes, with a little bleed over from So Bad, It's Good. Uh, Yeah, Uh, hooray. (laughs) Wait, is that blood? No, I think that's tomato juice, actually. Oh, my God. Okay, so um, the day we are releasing this episode is the 45th anniversary of the film we are discussing today, which, you know, when we were originally scheduling our episodes, I was like, hey, babe, you know this movie on your list is having an anniversary i think it's a spoopy movie you want to do it during spoopy month and he was like sure and now looking back on that moment in time i wish i had a time machine to go back in time and hit myself in the face <laughs> uh but you laughed i uh, okay well, you we'll laughed discuss it. multiple times yeah okay um so Scott, what movie did we watch today to start Spoopy Month? We watched Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. I think you meant to say um, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah, so that's what we're watching. It's uh, a so bad it's a good situation. Although I would say, unlike something like a last airbender movie which we discussed during actual so bad it's good bad movie month whatever this i would say is actually a so bad it's good movie no one was laughing while watching the last airbender no however i will say that this movie it's very strange yeah it's fascinating yeah in a way. and it's got apparently three sequels it does so babe before we get started into this why don't you tell us about your experience with this movie? Because I feel like some people might not know what it is or maybe only know it by name only. So why don't you just explain why we're here? <laughs> okay, so back in college, I had this friend, Mark. And uh, Mark... Fuck you, Mark. No <laughs> kidding. I don't know you, sir. I'm sorry. Uh, me and Mark both had a thing about movies that sometimes we would watch a very odd or bad movie if the poster was really good. And Mark knew about this movie, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. So he's like, hey, have you ever seen this or even heard about it? I'm like, no, but that is such a ridiculous title that I have to watch it. It's one of those things like, you joke about it. It's like Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. It's one of those type of movies where you're like, Oh, that is so ridiculous. It shouldn't work. It shouldn't be a thing. Santa Jaws. Uh, Are you saying that this works? <laughs> I think this works as a spoof horror movie. Mm. It's not... They're doing this on, like, a hope and a dream that this is, would be a thing. And the fact that it's even a cult movie 45 years later and has not faded into obscurity... There are movies that came out that are infinitely better than this. I would that say that have faded into obscurity more than Attack of the Killer fine, Tomatoes. Fine, but I would say it's pretty obscure. <laughs> oh, it's obscure, but it's still alive. Okay. Um, <laughs> I I really only knew of this movie by name only. I didn't really know anything about it. 
Uh, I didn't know what I was getting into with this movie at all, which, to be fair, is refreshing in a shoot the flick situation. Really, any movie watching situation, because I feel like so many movies, especially today, you get spoiled with trailers and social media. You know, you already pretty much know what you're getting into before you even go into the watch experience. So I will say that this was somewhat refreshing in a way, sort of. But (laughs) it was also not good (laughs) it was bad um i wasn't expecting to genuinely laugh though and i i did this movie has a very interesting like it's trying to be airplane if if anyone's seen airplane the classic comedy with leslie nielsen it, it gives off that kind of vibe we're trying to be airplane we're trying to be a leslie nielsen comedy movie we're also trying to be like the scary movie spoof films where we like make little pop culture references here and there and it's it's trying to be those things and it does have moments where the jokes land and they make you laugh and they're actually good jokes but then i would say it's 50 50 between hit and miss with the jokes well i think there are so many jokes in here that to go 50-50s, not a bad thing. I don't... Th- no, I, do, I strongly disagree. <laughs> what do you mean? First of all, the plot of this movie makes no sense. And that's not a different, you know, new thing with So Bad It's Good movies. They often have plots that make no sense. But I was bored through a lot of the movie because, spoiler alert, this movie that's called Attack of the Killer Tomatoes doesn't have a whole lot of tomatoes in it. No, it doesn't. Not okay. until the very end. Right. But uh, again. It's just people talking in rooms forever. And in between those talking scenes in rooms, they'll throw in like a, a bit here and there. Sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't. They'll throw in a pop culture reference. They'll throw in a song. There are songs in this. Guys... I immediately just was like, let's turn on Spice World instead. This is a much, that's a much better So Bad It's Good movie with songs in it. Um, yeah, I, there's a lot to unpack here, guys. I don't know. I don't know. I'm scared. I'm properly spooked. (laughs) If you haven't seen it, both it and its sequel are on Tubi right now. Yes, we were drinking last night while watching the first movie, and then when we were done with it, we looked at each other and it's like, "Well, you want to watch the next one?" I'm like, "No, no, wait, wait, George wait. Clooney's in it." I was like, "Okay." No, 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 no. no. Well, revisionist history. What here. do you mean? Revisionist history. What actually happened? That's okay. What actually? Go ha- ahead. Lie to the people. <laughs> Not lying. You're the one lying. What do you mean? <laughs> what happened was we watched the first one. We then we sat and talked a little bit, and Frankie goes. You want to watch the second one? She suggested. I, did I say that? She I was very drunk. Suggested. <laughs> I was. I was clearly inebriated. I shouldn't have been making suggestions. I was not in the right state of mind. Frankie suggested, and then we watched. Well, the whoever suggested it, it doesn't really matter. We watched the second movie, and it was better in production quality. I'll say, but as far as like the meat and potatoes of the movie, it was still kind of a boring movie with bits here and there thrown in. 
and uh, it that one actually had a plot at least, and it had George Clooney in it. So that's you know that's something. But um, yeah, we're not talking about the sequel. I'm sure we'll reference it here and there throughout this review. But we are going to talk about the OG, the original Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Scott, are you ready for some preliminary fun facts? I am ready for those fun facts. Oh, God. Okay. Um, So this is basically advertised as a B-movie parody, which when I first was taking notes on, like, research for this movie, I was like, oh, is it a B-movie parody the same way that, you know, The Room is a black comedy? But um, I I think what they were going for was a parody, certainly. Because, like I said, it, it gives off the vibe of a lot of those parody type films uh, uh, that are much better. Well, it it takes shots at like the birds, Godzilla, Jaws. It it, it hits on all these random movies that you're like, wow, that's kind of just dumb. But it's 1978. You got to be slightly forgiving for a movie that clearly was meant to be a joke. Well, clearly, but yeah. Also, there was no reason for the villain to be tomatoes. It literally could have been anything. There's no cultural or plot significance to tomatoes at all. Except, you know, it's funny. Is it? Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is hysterical. Okay, um, this film was directed, co-written, and co-produced by a man named John DeBello. He was nominated for a Stinker's Bad Movie Award for Worst Director for this film. Uh, he also wrote the theme song for the movie. Which is great. There's a theme song. I'll play it right here, a little clip of it. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. It comes off like it's the opening number to a big showy musical where like the townspeople all come together to, you know, introduce the story. <laughs> oh, honestly, this one and of course, then the uh, sequel also had a song. Which was like because the sequel is called Return of the Killer Tomatoes, and it just makes fun of like it makes fun of like the joke that oh we we're doing the same thing again. <laughs> um, the movie was also written and co-produced by two gentlemen by the name of Costa Dillon and J. Stephen Peace. Um, both of really all of these guys uh, also played roles in the film, acting, and it very much comes off like a bunch of friends that came together wrote some jokes and put on a show together and like that aspect of it is is nice Uh, unfortunately it was made on a budget of less than a hundred thousand dollars yeah and it came out with a rotten tomato score of 27 percent with critics rightfully so it's bad guys it's bad and it would be better if a what score 27 no no no. oh Ah, tomatoes god damn it well i guess it's appropriate given the, Tomato. The movie. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. But yeah, I mean, to these guys' credit, it did kind of pick up a cult following over the years. And 10 years later, they did the sequel, Return of the Killer Tomatoes. And then in the coming couple of years after that, they made two more sequels. I, I don't think Scott even knew about the other two no. sequels uh, before last night when I told him. There was also a cartoon series on Fox Kids that lasted two seasons in the early 90s and it's better than some shows 
true, but I mean, that also kind of fits in with the theme that a lot of 80s movies have, I feel like. We've talked about movies in the past, mostly in the 80s, early 90s, that for whatever reason, you know, they're really popular in the theater, so they're like, oh, let's make a kid's show. Let's well, make an animated series about it, and well, it lasts a couple of seasons or one season, and then it's gone. There was also talks of a remake in the late 2000s with efo films which is the company that makes like all those red box action films you know the nick cage wicker man movie like just all these you know all the off-brand movies with like one big star that used to be really big in the 80s or the 90s and then (laughs) a bunch of like c-list actors but then that didn't work out unfortunately for unfortunately or fortunately (laughs) the world we never know But Scott, like I said, there's a lot to unpack here and seeing as how you are kind of taking the lead on the plot in this episode, which good luck, buddy. I mean, does it exist even? I don't know. It does. Okay. It's not a great plot. Whatever you say. Um, Are you ready to get into the nitty gritty of this thing? Do you need to mentally prepare? Do you need some tomato juice, perhaps a pizza Mm. to prepare yourself for this? I definitely could go for a pizza. Mm, we ch- I just ate. I'm 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 done. <laughs> I'm, I never want to eat a tomato again as long as I live. Well, you could always have the boysenberry marshmallow peanut butter pizza from the sequel. Oh God. Okay, I want to puke. Can we can we get into this now? <laughs> Let's go. Let's dive right in. Get ready to be spoopified. Shall we start off with the crawl? Where- <laughs> Um, So this crawl basically says the birds, the original Alfred Hitchcock movie, was laughed at when it first appeared in theaters until a random town in Kentucky was attacked by five to seven million birds, which is a true story. They caused $2.6 million worth of damage, and now nobody's laughing anymore. So we cut up to our first victim of the killer tomatoes. Some random housewife lady. And they do this like cold open where she's like in the kitchen washing dishes and then a tomato just magically appears in her sink and rolls over to her and attacks her. We don't see the actual attack. Get used to that. But my first thought as this movie really starts to get going is, um, is that tomato talking? Is it? Is it? talk all i hear is and i'm like is that the tomato yes <laughs> okay great it's just like the minions yeah no whereas the minions are you know cute and adored by oh, millions of children everywhere cute well pe- they're, they're kid, bananas. The, the kids love them if, if you put this tomato in overalls and gave it a goggle no you know it could happen no, the minions say words once in a while. Do they? Yeah, banana. Banana. Oh well, they are bananas. Um, <laughs> so then we get the theme song again, and it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of funny little sight gags in the in the opening credits of them like advertising to get more money for this movie that, as Frankie said, had the nothing budget. <laughs> I do want to share with you some of the lyrics to the theme songs. I feel like it's worth mentioning just, you know, the true artistry here. <clears throat> They're marching down the halls. They're crawling up the walls. 
They're gooey, gushy, squishy, mushy, rotten to the core. They're standing right outside your door. And then my personal favorite one. I know I'm going to miss her. A tomato ate my sister. <laughs> Sacramento fell today. They're marching into San Jose. Tomatoes are on their way. Okay. <laughs> Artistry. Yeah, all right. Come on, it's just fun. I'll listen to Spice Girls instead, thanks. Oh, stop it. We don't need to talk about Spice World anymore. I think we do. We never have to stop talking about Spice World. We cut back to the woman who is now dead, and she is covered in tomato juice. The cop bends down, takes the tomato juice off her. Frankie's like, no, please don't, don't like, don't like the tomato juice off the woman. Don't, oh, God. It's so bad. It's like, that doesn't look like blood to me. I'm like... I don't think it's in policy to, like, lick bodily fluids off of people. I mean, just saying. Well, it wasn't a bodily fluid. It was well, a you don't know that, is what I'm saying. They don't know that. We get a guy chokes on tomato juice. A c- old couple reacts to a little boy down the street getting taken away by a tomato. Yeah. Um. Immediately something that I noticed technically with this movie that was a big issue the sound mixing in this movie is terrible, at least in the beginning. I don't know if I just got used to it as we got further in the movie or if it improved on its own, whatever. But like I had to at first I thought just the volume was too high. I'm like, can you lower it? And then I'm like, oh, no, it's not the volume. It's just the movie. Like there's background noise and then background music and then the dialogue. But it's not balanced at all like you're trying to listen to people talking and it's just like like you just hear like just nonsense and then i was like you need to put on the subtitles because i can't understand a word they're saying because it's not only loud in the background stuff but then they're talking so fast the actors that i don't even know what the fuck they're saying and like obviously it's a low budget movie so it's not like we're getting the best sound quality also so it's like i i have no idea i feel like i'm watching a shitty baby sorkin home movie like everyone's just talking really fast and it seems like this movie was ironically filmed on a tomato like i don't <laughs> i don't know what this is it's one of those things like you can clearly tell the budget is nothing killer clowns from outer space which is also like a no budget movie had like a couple million. The uh, Reservoir Dogs had a couple million. Like, you think about those movies, which aren't high-budget movies. No, that's true. This is nothing. The 100 k probably afforded them maybe some equipment that wasn't the greatest. Yeah, I mean, honestly, for what they had just financially, they did okay. But the thing is, if the humor was more hits than misses it would go a lot longer of a way i feel like because the humor is really so like hit or miss and literally things happen in the movie we're gonna get there that just don't track at all logically which like is okay there's an openness to suspension of disbelief but we're already talking about a fucking movie about killer tomatoes like we're already suspending our disbelief a lot so like you gotta help me out with some semblance of logic here <laughs> like give me something to hold on to and get me through this plot but it's it's hard 
<laughs> Especially when they have a fucking helicopter crash in the middle of the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that kind of sets you back a little bit financially as well, I would assume. Yeah, probably. And they have to, like, ride around the helicopter crashing. Yeah, so <laughs> we, we have a scene where we're meeting people, government people, and they're talking. Basically, the government is slowly but surely figuring out that there's some kind of conspiracy cahoots going on with the fucking tomatoes and they're killing people okay they're they're saying like it's some chemical thing like oh we just wanted to make better tomatoes here at the agricultural department but now they're going wild the tomatoes and they're killing people ah so we got two people on a helicopter and they're coming in to talk to more people about this fucking conspiracy cahoots and then all of a sudden you see the the helicopter like blades hit the ground and then the chopper starts like spinning out of control and apparently this was completely unintentional it was not part of the movie the helicopter fucking crashed debris and the blades of the fucking helicopter narrowly missed the actors in the scene and they got thrown to the ground the pilot was injured it caught on fire and the actors like fucking just quickly bulleted through the rest of their dialogue to get out of the scene <laughs> and then it's in the movie <laughs> well you look at the guy there's the guy the actor who's playing the cop he's in front of our screen as the helicopter's crashing and he immediately stops because he's supposed to be shooting at these tomatoes coming right. with a shotgun because they cut to him shooting at tomatoes and then the helicopter happens and he turns and he can't not look at the helicopter Of course crash. not, because a fucking helicopter just crashed in front of your face. And like with a movie that has such a low budget, a fucking huge, expensive, fiery helicopter crash for, a, I'm assuming, a rental helicopter is not a great fucking thing. Like, I'm sure it costs a bajillion bajillion dollars to I hope they bought the insurance deal with I mean who knows oh god they probably figure oh we're only using it for like five minutes and nothing can go wrong oh no it all went wrong they, they had to write it off like oh my god did you see that tomato just flew in and killed the pilot yeah <laughs> a tomato that was all ad lib the guy's like oh tomato just flew onto the plane I'm like oh my god Okay, I mean, good for the actors, I guess. They decided to, like, just power through the scene. <laughs> so we quickly meet our our main hero. Yes, so the, the guys in the helicopter scene, they are talking about the whole thing, and they're like, oh, we have to get our best investigator on it. And they show his picture in, like, a file or something, and it looks like fucking Jim Belushi. <laughs> it he looks does. like Jim Belushi and John Belushi's younger brother fucking Jack Belushi like it, that's what this guy looks like and the character's name is Mason Dixon which isn't troubling at all it's totally fine it's such a funny joke ha 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 racism um <laughs> slavery oh so funny um <laughs> but Mason Dixon is played by David Miller who's an actor that was in like a handful of movies in the 80s and then just disappeared never to be seen again <laughs> Yeah, it's not surprising. I don't think he's a great actor, but, you know, he's fine. No, he he wasn't. There's really no good actors in this, I would say. There are some funny comedic performances in here for some of the time. And then other times, they're just, I don't even know what. So Mason Dixon gets introduced to our government agents in a very small, tiny room. Yeah, this is the point where I was like, oh, okay, I see what we're trying to do here. We're trying to be airplane. <laughs> yeah. 
the room is very tiny. They have to crawl over the table to kind of... To, like, all fit in this room. Yeah. And they're like, okay, Mason, we got to introduce you to your team now. Walking through this place, we get some dumb jokes all over bad the place. Bad jokes. He means bad jokes that didn't make me laugh at all. <laughs> the scene where they're all climbing over the the table in the little room, like, that made me laugh because it's, like, it's a situational thing and it services the plot but also it's like a funny concept like oh all these serious government officials have to meet and discuss business government business and then they're climbing over the table they're climbing over each other like that's funny and the the bit was given some time to breathe but like when they try to do like these little like throwaway gags like they right after that go walking down a hallway the longest walk down a hallway scene i've ever seen in my life another like it's another reason why i thought like oh this is like a baby aaron sorkin film just guys walking down a hallway talking but yeah they do like little throwaway gags like oh some guy in the lab got chemical burns and had to wash it off but someone else is in front of the the uh, the washer thing so he's like he's running around blind screaming and then there's another guy who's just taking a shower in the middle of the la- like ah and like okay this isn't funny like what's happening and then it keeps going i'm like stop it move on oh god so we meet dixon's crew dixon's crew includes a disguise expert sam smith sam smith <laughs> grammy award winning comedic actor <laughs> sam smith <laughs> yes uh who is an african-american gentleman who we first meet wearing a white nose and glasses so he's a disguise expert right uh he's actually played by a guy named gary smith by the way but he he was actually funny he was like kind of a surprise for me because he would start off a bit and i'd be like that's not funny that's not funny and then at the very end, he'd do some, like, dopey look or something. And I'd be like, ah, that was funny. Oh, damn it. He made me laugh. We meet our swimming expert who is a... Pointless. Pointless. Who cares? She dies by tomato later. Yeah, nobody cares. And then there's another guy who's, like, a scuba expert, which his only joke in the movie is that they drop him off in, like, the desert. And then he walks over to, like, the nearest mall, it seems, or something, and jumps into a fountain. And that's the joke. And that's it. Well, it's even funnier because they clearly like are filming this pond from like a second story window because the oh, people yeah, they around do not it, have a permit for that at all. And because the people around them are like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> it's very stupid. Uh, I don't understand why they had more characters when they had no money. So like when you have no money, trim the fucking fat out of your script. And the fat would be two government people that don't fucking do anything and have like the least funny jokes in the whole movie. (laughs) Yes, but uh, we will meet our final person, Finn Leather, uh, later on. He is on a mission right now, so you'll have to go to these coordinates to meet him later on. Oh, no. So we cut to the news and the news reporters are like, I need somebody to cover this fucking tomato story. So we get Lois Fairchild. Who's got a great ass, according to her boss. But she's played by Sharon Taylor. And she's basically the lowest lane of this movie, quite rightly so, because later on they do a Superman bit. uh, Which actually was kind of cute and funny. They have a guy walk by in like a trench coat. And he's like, oh, hi, Lois. And she goes, oh, hi, Clark. And then she's arguing with some guy. and Oh, I think she's arguing with Dixon, right? Yeah. Mason Dixon. And 
meanwhile, Superman is like off to the side, off screen, going up, up and away. Because, yeah, there's a guy in the background going and pointing, like, what the, f-? like, hey, hey, there's a guy <laughs> flying, and no one's paying attention. That was like kind of cute and funny, but yeah, she's just there to investigate this whole tomato phenomenon. Exactly. Uh, so next we uh we meet the president and his PR guy. Yeah, the president. He's really kind of useless in this movie. They kind of make him the butt of a joke throughout the whole film. Every time you cut to him, he's just sitting at his desk testing out pens and like signing his name with different pens to see if they work and just giving out orders and not really doing much of anything. And that was like kind of a fun running gag. Every time they show like the government in this movie, the president is just doing this fucking pen gag. They cut to this little Congress group every now and then who are arguing complete nonsense. Yeah, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes really is a political statement film about the superfluousness of government and how if you really want to get things done in this country, you have to start a grassroots movement. And it's funny because grass grows like tomatoes, so that's ah, that's the joke. Ah. You see, it's it all makes sense if you think about it really, really hard, and then just do your best not to kill yourself. So the president's press secretary is Jim Richardson, and he's played by George Wilson, who is another actor that kind of did a few movies in the 80s and then just disappeared. There have been some isolated uh, reports of alleged incidents involving some unusual activity associated with this uh, particular vegetable. Uh, But I assure you that uh, this is not and never will become a, a menace. His character is confusing to me. We'll talk about it when we get more into it towards the end, I guess. But it just nothing makes sense everything is bad and like when he talks to the president he just the president will just say like weird shit like he'll just be like yeah you know it's it's like trying to stack bibles on whipped cream it's like what excuse me (laughs) what did you say and then the most confusing bit of the whole movie is like oh well uh richardson go find this uh furniture salesman who's my friend who, uh, because he's such a great salesman, he helped me get reelected. Okay, that doesn't make sense. But go to him and he will help you uh, formulate an ad campaign to let the people know that they shouldn't be afraid of tomatoes. Like, it's all very confusing. And it seems like they just wrote that whole bit so they could put this weird fucking salesman guy in the movie. I, I don't understand it ah uh, yes so jim goes to meet can we talk about this yes we can go, we can go right okay this. so jim jim goes to meet with the salesman guy and the salesman guy is like the most picture in your mind right just close your eyes and think of an old guy in the 70s just old guy in the 70s not in his 70s in the 70s okay yes. you got it you got the picture in your mind that's th- that's this guy yes he's like an old balding guy with a mustache and a flowery 70s shirt and bell bottoms who looks like he's been selling used furniture out of the back of his car he looks like a porn director okay a, a little bit yeah a sleazy porn director and uh, apparently he's gonna help richardson with pr about this fucking tomato thing he's talking in the scene like he is 
just done a massive line of coke. He's just like, oh, well, we got to tell the housewives. Tomatoes are fine. They, they killed your household pet, but they're okay. Don't worry about it. And everything's going to be fine. <laughs> and then he starts singing. He's singing. We sell cars and toys for girls and boys and chairs and beds and shrunken heads. Sugar beets and baseball cleats and ice to Eskimos. And leaks and mink and boats that sink no matter what will get it sold. By the way, this guy is played by Jack Riley, who is an actor who's actually had a long-standing career. He's done a lot of TV. He's a character actor. He's done a lot of Mel Brooks films in the past, which kind of fits in with this. Yeah. But um, for us 90s kids, he's the voice of Stu Pickles from Rugrats. Really? <laughs> yes. Stu, what are you doing? Making chocolate pudding. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. Why on earth are you making chocolate pudding? Because I've lost control of my life. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? But um, yeah, so Stu Pickles gets his fucking fat ass up there and starts singing. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> What is happening? I and he's not even singing sing he's singing like your drunk uncle would sing at like a family barbecue after like a few beers. And like I didn't like the movie up to this point. Like I said, there were some hits and misses as far as the jokes and like the plot was kind of getting stuck in a mishmash world of nowhere. Like, okay, are we killing tomatoes? Are we doing anything about this? Or are we just sitting around talking in rooms? 99% of this movie is people sitting, talking in rooms about fucking tomatoes. Like, I, it's so ridiculous. But I was like, I'm okay right now. And then we go to meet with this fucking crazy dude who I wouldn't think that this is an actor with like an actual career. I would think that this is somebody's dad or uncle that just wanted to be in the movie he just shows up and spouts off a bunch of nonsense and then the scene's over and we move on and it's like wait what just happened i don't understand <laughs> and then it makes even less sense later because we find out that the press secretary really had no reason to go visit this guy at all so there's really no purpose to this fucking well furniture salesman guy well, whatsoever he was ordered to go visit this guy by the president right but I, I don't want to give away the ending yet if we're if we have more stuff to talk about. Yes, we do have more stuff to talk <laughs> okay, about. Okay, so let's let's put a pin in this for now and we'll come back to the crazy furniture salesman guy and the press secretary. While all this movie's gone, we do have random scenes of like tomatoes like interacting with people, like they kill a biker. Oh my god, that scene was so dumb. It's a biker and he like falls, right? And then they have a normal sized tomato just roll into the frame. And the biker guy was just like, oh, what a funky looking tomato. And it's like, we just saw it. It's a reg it's a fucking tomato. What do you mean? And they do get bigger later on in the movie, like very little shop of horrors type situation. But I thought it was also going to have a face, like a scary face. And it didn't. I was like, this isn't, what is this? It's like one of those movies, like, like, like uh, that movie you always try to get me to watch with the tire. Oh, rubber. Yeah, it's like that, but with a tomato. And it's like, dude, you're. this is doing nothing for me. Uh, we also see them kill a grocery store worker. We get our Jaws reference. Which is so terrible. It's so dumb, but so stupidly funny. It's not funny. It's, it's not funny. It's not funny. Stop saying that. It's not funny. <laughs> it's just people sitting in a boat in the water, and then they try to steal the Jaws theme with a tomato just floating in the water. 
they start throwing tomatoes in the water. It's, it's they're not. It's just sitting there in the water. It's not funny. Some of the bits are funny. I will give you that. Some of the bits are funny, but just because you reference something doesn't make it funny. But you replace a shark with a tomato. Oh my god, sharks are actually scary, Scott. Okay, you can't just throw a tomato in the water and that's a scene. That's not a scene. That's a that's I don't even know what that's called. Oh my god. Anyway, they uh, they have Mason Dixon yes tell the disguise expert they have a bit with him and yes then we meet the other expert yes they're at the coordinates to meet our final expert finn leather and for some reason sam smith who is the disguise expert is dressed like hitler a black man in a full-on ss outfit with a black mustache hitler mustache dressed like hitler for no reason at all and i'm like why is he dressed like that that's not funny. Why is that funny? It's not funny just because he's black and he's just like Hitler. It's supposed to be funny. I don't. That's not doing anything for me. Like, why is that a thing? And then we get the guy, the other expert parachute down, Wilbur Finletter. And he's played by J. Stephen Peace, who is one of the writers of the movie and co-producers. And his whole bit for the movie is A, that he's like a simpleton and B, that he is always and forever wearing his parachute getup. So throughout everything from when he enters the movie to when the movie ends, he is wearing a parachute and carrying it around. And it's it's supposed to be funny. It leads to like physical gags and that's fine. Whatever. It's fine. But I will give the scene credit because... Throughout half the scene, I was unimpressed with the humor. I was like, okay, this isn't funny just because he dressed like Hitler. What the fuck? And then the parachute guy comes down, looks at Sam Smith and goes, oh, my God, it's Hitler. And then he just jumps after him and then he tries to fight him. And then it zooms in at one point on Sam Smith's face. And the look on his face of, like, confusion just made me bust out laughing. So that's why I say that that guy, uh, Sam Smith, is like uh, a sleeper agent kind of in comedy. He's like, (laughs) you go through half the scene, you're like, that's not funny. And then he'll do, like, a look or something. You're like, oh, that was funny. (laughs) Well, it's even because... Finnleather then like says something like German to him, and the Sam Smith Wiener goes, Schnitzel. Wiener Schnitzel, Autobahn. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Uh-huh. Admittedly, that was funny. Oh my god! So Finnleather gets in the car. Sam Smith looks at Mason Dixon and goes, "What should I do now?" He goes, "Well, you should go dress as a tomato." infiltrates infiltrate their camp and the scene ends and then later you see him like they cut back and forth to him amongst the giant tomatoes like literally in a tomato costume with like a little green hat on and it's like it's a good ending to the bit and then i think they allude to him dying well later scene but then i i guess they retcon that because that character does come back for the sequel oh like because he does joke at the end he goes does anybody have any ketchup? He's like, oh, damn it. <laughs> um, so that, yeah, like he was, he was good in the movie. I'll, I'll give you that tomato fans, tomato heads out there. Oh, we do also get, because Frankie did, I have to bring this up because Frankie got very upset. Um, there is a talking dog in the movie. <gasps> oh my God. Okay. So the tomatoes are slowly but surely taking over the country, right? Which again, 
they have another scene with the fucking weird porno Stu Pickles guy. And I'm just, it doesn't make sense to me because it's like on one side of the movie's math, they're saying, oh, well, we have to tell the American people that like, you know, tomatoes aren't really a threat. They're, they're fine. Tomatoes are delicious vegetables, even though they're fruits, but it's fine. But then on the other side of the movie's mouth, there's a scene where a bunch of government people are in a room and they're like Xing out countries because the tomatoes have apparently overtaken different countries. And they're like, this is a war, damn it, a war on the tomatoes. And it's like, okay, so which is it? Is this a countrywide epidemic that cannot be ignored because literal states are being taken out by tomatoes or is this just like something we're still covering up it didn't really make sense but then okay back to the talking dog i don't want to lose track of the talking dog so after all that mishigas we come up on a little boy with his dog by a lake fishing such a tranquil scene you think they're gonna turn around and sarah mclaughlin's gonna start playing but no they turn around i'm like oh puppy and i say if a tomato kills this dog i'm fucking leaving i'm fucking done i'm going i can't take this anymore fucking bullshit And then the movie decides to say, well, I don't think you're done with us yet, bitch. Because (laughs) the little boy is like, "Um, oh, what's that? Like to the dog, what's that over there? And the dog speaks. The dog's like, oh, I don't know, Timmy. Let me go take a look. (laughs) Like, wait, what the fuck? Did the dog just talk? And then, uh, of course, a tomato kills the talking dog off screen. And I'm like, what the fuck? I can't fuck you movie i gotta keep watching now god damn it well lois fairchild's gonna try and get down to the bottom of this oh my god (laughs) sneaking into mason dixon's room uh but quickly gets found out by finn leather who calls her a trollop yes and tries to kill her at one point he does try to kill her because he thinks she's a spy so they're having like a report that even the word tomato causes havoc Amongst the people. Oh, yeah. They cut to a library and there's a guy, just one lonely guy in a sea of people at this library who actually, I think, was played by Costa Dillon, who was one of the other writers on the movie. And he just looks up with this devious look on his face and he goes, Tomato. (laughs) Everybody screams. Uh, Now... Mason gets trapped by two very large tomatoes. Oh, yes. They finally are starting to show actual big, scary tomatoes in this. And by big, scary tomatoes, I don't mean that they're actually, like, scary. They're very large. They're not very intimidating, though. Like, you can have movies with, like, a cursed object or something. There's plenty of movies like that out there. But it's hard to make a random object intimidating, I guess. When you talk about movies like this, Children of the Corn, I think, also does it with random shots of corn. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm supposed to be scared of corn now. It's a vegetable. Like, you're not going to be scared of a vegetable. Even if you put a little face on the fucking vegetable, they're like, you're not going to be scared of a fucking tomato. But these two tomatoes trap Mason Dixon. And he's like, oh, God, I'm going to be gone. I'm a goner. But then the song Puberty Love Ah, yes, there's a song, another song called Puberty Love in this movie that was written by our writer-director trio here, Um, but it was performed, fun fact, 
by a teenage Matt Cameron, who, if you don't know the name, he is the drummer for Soundgarden and eventually Pearl Jam. And as a teen, he did the song Puberty Love for Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. And the tomatoes run away. Also, while this is all going on, someone is trying to kill Mason Dixon. Yes, there's an assassin in our midst. And I was like, okay, this has to be someone we know, right? And Scott was like, I don't know. I don't remember. I was like, okay, (laughs) great. This movie is like so batshit insane. You don't have to remember all the plot. The movie's called Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. It's just an experience of stupidity. And then I think the furniture guy comes back again. The way they do it is really funny, actually. it's It was really, like, nerve-inducing for me. More than any giant tomato in this entire movie. They kept doing, like, music in the background. Like, if you've ever seen a musical in your life, you know how they'll do, like the talky bit with the instrumental in the background and it'll lead into a song they kept doing that and i'm like no 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 no. (laughs) not another song no please don't no 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 stop it stop teasing a song damn it i don't like it i don't want to go home (laughs) i'm already in my home and i want to go home (laughs) oh god I feel like this would be ripe, though, for ripe <laughs> tomato ah. for like a musical adaptation, like a like a Evil Dead level musical adaptation. I feel like that probably exists. I feel like this movie or this franchise would be ripe for a, a musical adaptation or be just a better done sequel now. Well, let's not put that out into the universe, Scott. I think we've squeezed as much tomato juice as we can out of this franchise. No, there's always more juice. I don't think that's true. (laughs) Maybe when it goes into the public domain, you can deal with it then. I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. So, yes, there is an assassin in our midst that's trying to get the great Mason Dixon. Yes. And, um... You know, I never would have expected this from such a plot-less movie. Uh, apparently, there's a twist villain in the movie. It's the press secretary, Jim Richardson. Remember that pin I told you to put in it earlier? So, apparently, the press secretary wanted to assist in starting this like evil conspiracy with the tomatoes and starting this, like countrywide pandemic with tomatoes because he wanted to usurp the presidency and take over the country and be everybody's hero because he'll then turn around and save everyone from the tomatoes and be the hero and everyone will want him to be president because that's how government works and then (laughs) back to the pin i was discussing earlier it doesn't make sense then why the press secretary went to go visit because even the press secretary was freaked out by the porn stash fucking Stu pickles furniture guy. So it's like, why would you go visit him multiple times then if you were just behind this whole thing? Like you're just plotting that you don't need to go see this guy that you clearly are very concerned by every time he does something this furniture guy the press secretary just has this wide-eyed look of terror like oh my god who is this man let me get the fuck out of here you could have because you're the bad guy you don't give a fuck he's keeping up appearances Frankie. yeah that requires one visit you don't have to keep going back and visiting him 
what kind of I don't under, it's so stupid. It was just but doing it, and it his doesn't job. it doesn't make any sense that the press secretary is the villain. It makes no sense at all. Because even if that is your thought process, that still wouldn't get you presidency. And it wouldn't make sense if you're trying to fucking destroy the whole country that you want to be the president. Why would you want to be president of no one? Well, he, the that, tomatoes are killing like half the fucking country. Well, he save the rest of them and they'll all appreciate him. But he's like, oh, I don't like telling other people's messages. I want to spread my own message. Bitch, you applied. You did fucking took the job of press secretary. Do you not know what a press secretary is? I'm hurting Scott's ears. He just took his headphones off. Do you not know what a press secretary is, sir? You could just not be press secretary anymore. Yeah, you could just quit like Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Or, sure. Or who was the You're guy? You're just as useful as her. Who just was, do that then. Who was the guy before him that hid in the bushes? Oh, the guy that Melissa McCarthy would play on fucking uh, uh, Saturday Night Live. He did Dancing with the Stars too, I think. Oh, he did his... Dancing? Oh, of course that? he did. Sean Spicer. Ah, that's his name. Yeah, okay. But, um... Yeah, so this twist villain is supposed to be a big <gasps> moment. It's not. And he manages to knock out Mason Dixon and, like, bring him back to his hotel room. Which, why? Like, just kill him or drive away? Like, what do you... But he's holding a gun on him. And it's like a typical movie, like, where, you know, the villain is revealing his whole plan before the plan's actually done. And then Mason Dixon is like, oh, wait, uh, before you kill me, why don't you tell me how you did it? How did you uh, control, the control all the tomatoes and such? And, you know, so because he wants to know how to, like, stop them and stuff. And right at the worst, worst time, fucking uh, parachute guy, fin- uh, Fink, what fin- is fin leather. Fin leather. Fink leather. <laughs> comes in and fucking stabs him with a giant sword which why does he have a giant sword i don't know i don't know who cares who cares and then fucking mason dixon almost shoots in the fucking face he's like you fucking idiot i thought that he killed the press secretary guy but apparently not because also he comes back in the sequel well i I think again one off retcon that too yeah one off movie you're like okay these people die but like Oh, we have a sequel. Let's just bring them back. Because who the fuck cares? It's Return of the Killer Tomatoes. So, yes, they figure out that puberty love is the way to control the tomatoes to make them smaller. Yes, puberty love will save the day. Don't worry. You can take that right out of context <laughs> and do what you will with it. But, um, yeah, so the big, I guess, climax of the movie Everybody gathers in this big stadium. Everybody in Los Angeles or whatever gathers in this huge stadium. And tomatoes all converge on this stadium to attack. And then they play Puberty Love on the loudspeakers. And all the big tomatoes run away and turn into little baby tomatoes. And then you have a pretty fun looking shot of a bunch of people who just dressed in any which way they wanted. Just like looks, it looks like every fucking cosplayer and oh, yeah. every homeless person you've ever seen in your there's life. A, there's a chicken mascot. Yeah, it looks nuts. But they're all 
I this looked really fun. Like I, if I were in a movie doing a movie, I would want to do a shot like this because it looks really fun. It's just a group of people as a big mob running like full force down this really long road, and then they come across this field of little baby tomatoes, and they step on them and kill all the tomatoes. But there is one more tomato, and he's uh, wearing earmuffs. <laughs> that was so dumb. Yeah, we uh we get Lois. The, the news reporter lady. Yes. Did you forget she was in this movie? So did I while I was watching it. She shows up and I'm like, oh, yeah, she's still here. Oh, hi. Um, so, yeah, she shows up and she's screaming and there's this giant tomato that's backed her into a corner and it has earmuffs on. So the guy, Mason Dixon, comes upon them and grabs the sheet music for puberty love and shows it to the tomato, which makes it shrink, which again doesn't make sense because you would think that the the trick of it is like oh the song it's pitched so high that it fucks with the tomatoes for some reason and it kills them but no it's just the song like just the presence the mere presence of the song in any capacity makes the tomatoes weak Uh, and and tiny in the sequel they do it where the different music turns tomatoes into different like kinds of people Mm mm-hmm so it's like a fun little thing with like, oh, music turns tomatoes into people or into monsters. But it's not just the music. It's just like, it's the sheet music that d- yeah, does I know, not for even, this time. it doesn't make any goddamn sense, okay? But well, at this point, we're almost done with the movie, so who gives a fuck? Yes, but Lois and Mason now are in love. Oh, yeah, we have to have a, a thrown-in love thing at the end where Mason Dixon and Lois Fairchild, who have been arguing with each other on and off throughout the movie a couple of times, uh, they, they do not like each other, but now they're in love and they're singing to each other and they fuck and they run through a field of flowers together and that's the movie. That's the movie. And then we get like a kind of end credit sting bit of like oh now the carrots are evil ah and it's kind of funny because they did that also in the second movie they did this whole they did the whole second movie like talking about the tomatoes 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 ah tomatoes are evil and then at the very end uh there's just like a jacked fucking sentient carrot that kills a bunch of people (laughs) commando style and you're like oh fuck okay carrots are still a thing that would be funny if you did a remake of it now you just do attack of the killer carrots finally Uh, that might be fun that would be fun but that is attack of the killer tomatoes i certainly feel spookified it is a cult b movie spoof it is not meant to be taken seriously well the problem with that though is that it's like 50% just boring dialogue of people in rooms. Not even, like probably like 60%. And then it's like 20% actual funny bits and then 20% not funny bits sprinkled with some songs. And that's the movie. And it's like, eh. As much as this is a dumb, stupidly fun movie, I think the sequel is better. I think the sequel's better just because it's more technically competent. It suffers from the same problem, though, where it has like some funny bits and some not so funny bits. And then in between, there's just kind of boring. Like it drags a little bit and it's only an hour and a half. So it's like, does it really need to drag this hour and a half movie about killer fucking tomatoes? Eh, not really. 
Yeah, there, I think there are a lot of dumb, fun parts in this whole thing. But There are, but there are also not fun, dumb parts. <laughs> but, uh, Frankie, what would you rate Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? Um, I gave it a two out of five. I would consider it a so bad it's good movie. We were drinking last night while watching it, and it was fun. I had fun watching the movie just because I was getting so, like confuzzled and and perplexed by certain things that were happening but then there also were like some genuinely funny bits in there so I I would say it's worth watching but ultimately like am I gonna watch the other two shitty sequels to this no I've gotten my fill I'll probably never revisit this again I'll sleep just fine at night never singing or watching attack of the killer tomatoes ever again oh you'll hear the song again i no, promise you i'm okay nope it will happen i'm so okay though thank you though appreciate attack it love you of the killer thank tomatoes you. thank you i'm gonna go watch spice world now attack the killer tomatoes i also have the first one as a two out of five again i think it's a dumb fun movie it's a ridiculous concept but you know that going in when the title of your movie is attack of the killer tomatoes just like killer clowns from outer space. It could have been a lot worse, I'll say that. Oh, hell yeah, it could have been. But I think the fact that, A, it's 1978, B, the budget is piss poor, I think they came out with a decent thing that 45 years later is kind of shocking that people can still talk about it. Well, this has been an interesting first installation into 2023 Spoopy Month. I'm excited, though, because next week, it's going to be a Scotty week once again, because he's going to show me a movie that's like a more traditional horror film. We're opening up one of uh, the big horror classic franchises. Yes, that I've never seen. So I'm actually interested in diving into that. And I think we're also going to have a very special guest with us. So I'm excited on all fronts. But um, until then, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Fox. And I'm Scott Tomato. No. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick. And check out all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, NIR Radio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our juicy, uh, squishy movie adventure this review can only end the same way it started attack of the killer tomatoes attack of the killer tomatoes stew pickles how could you you chew you up for brunch and finish you off for dinner or lunch